Welcome into the Fairweather Podcast, where we discuss all things San Diego Loyal Soccer Club. All right, this is a special edition of the Fairweather Podcast. Usually we go live tonight, uh, but we've been working on a few things, and um, we are just doing a podcast version this week. Um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but we did want to record something because there has been some news coming out from both the league and the Players Association. Um, I do want to mention that we are brought to you by the beautiful Game Network and Roughneck Scarves. So thank uh, both of them for their support. Um, so there's been a couple of things, and I'll just go through them really quick, and then we can kind of chat about them for a couple minutes. Uh, the league came out with a uh, a salary proposal where they said uh, it was you know layered with who gets housing and who doesn't uh, you can look it up it's all over the interwebs but it's basically it was kind of a uh, a thousand bucks uh, players uh, that was the minimum that they would cut to and everything else above it would be cut uh, the players recently come, came back with a two thousand dollar base pay um, so about twenty thousand dollars a year uh, and then things above that would be a ten percent pay cut um, and then the league responded with like 1,530% above it. And there's a great article on the Beautiful Game Network that came out just this afternoon laying out how upset and insulted some of the players were by the league office. Um, and ironically, I don't say ironically, um, surprisingly, a lot of the players were spoke really highly of their specific team and their specific owners. So there seems to be a, not only a disconnect between where the players and the league are, but the league and the owners themselves. Uh, so that's been kind of what was going on. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Uh, there's been a hashtag stand with the players. Uh, we tweeted something out. I tweeted something out. I believe we tweeted something out from the podcast as well. If not, we will soon. Uh, Chris, what are your initial thoughts on where we are with the uh, Players Association and the league? Well, I mean, I think that where we're at with the Players Association is, that, I mean, they obviously realize their worth and, and the leverage they have in, in things. I mean, the league is obviously on kind of like a uh, – the league is how do I think about it last year is at the end of last season, they were pretty much like on this sort of potential incline and the popularity of the league uh, did so well um, that obviously brought new teams in. I mean, there was obviously a great fan base, let alone just considering the expansion teams. So this year, obviously, they had bigger plans. I mean, they talked about adding a women's league at academy. So, I mean, the league is definitely, you know, looking at a vision. Um, but I think that they just kind of got too far into the long term and didn't consider this batch of players uh, for championship and league one, um, which have to be a part of that vision as well. It just can't be league structure without the players. Yeah, I do want to – I was remiss. Uh, there are a couple of Jeff Reuter articles in The Athletic. Um, he has – he's one of the few national writers that are covering The Athletic, and he gets lots of scoops uh, and is able to uh, break some of this news. Um, he, I guess I think today he wrote another article talking about kind of the financial footing that the league is in. With He did some math with expansion fees and yearly dues and how much the league is required – to have in the bank to support a uh, the league, so I, I think 
the players are bargaining now from a strength. Um, I think that at when the players association first happened, it was like, where's the leverage? Like the league has all the leverage. The players don't really have a whole lot because, um, you know, the outside of being the talent, uh, the league really had a lot of, you know, the cards in their hand, but now that the players feel that their contracts are guaranteed and they should be paid in full, uh, for those contracts, even if the league, like the season's canceled, um, it puts the players in a position to bargain for things maybe outside of pay. Um, and I know that they focus on that base salary and they said, I think 5% of players are uh, six figures or above or five players. It's, it's something our most players are five figures. Uh, so, right. Um, uh, 700 and was it, it was like, it was no more than 20 players or in six figures. Right. Out of 700 and something. Yeah. Right. And I think it paints a picture for fans of USL of how much these players actually make. And it's something that when you ask people, how much do they make? No one knows because, you know, contracts are standard one year contracts or six to eight months, um, maybe even 10 months. Um, And you have the, the details of those contracts are not released. So no one really knows how much players are being paid. So I think this was a very eye-opening move. I think they were mad that the league started to bargain out in public. And I think that was a bad move by the league because they're like, oh, $1,000 base pay. And everyone's like, wait, are you kidding me? $10,000 for a year? That's yeah, because like- if you think about it, I mean, they've been very discreet. We, you know, like you said just a moment ago, like the league has – you know, never had to disclose terms. Everything's always been handled behind closed doors, but this is actually, you know, it's, it's actually very transparent and people are saying like, you're like, you're about to say like, you know, this is not enough money, you know, to, to live on, you know, let alone all the provisions they're putting in place. And I think the players are so You know, we want to create a livable wage for our players. We think this amount is fair. And some people are like, I don't think that's enough. And my argument is trying to build a house through bargaining. Your first contract is never going to be the best contract. But you have to lay a baseline. You have to lay a foundation of this is where we bargain from. And I think that the players have been pretty unified. And are starting to become a little more vocal. So we might see a few things coming out. The players association are starting to do interviews, which is a really good sign. Uh, we're working on something on our end about trying to bring somebody in to talk about it, but um, we don't have anything solidified yet. So we have nothing to announce, uh, but that's kind of what we've been working on. Um, it just hasn't come together yet. Um, but um, these, uncertain times in bargaining leads to the question of does this mean that we now don't have a season if the league is saying we might not be able to afford all of our salaries but if they cancel the season the players are still i think arguing that should get paid yeah for sure um something i was thinking about is is with the players coming forth and doing these videos on the twitter you know where they're basically announcing who they are and the fact that they stand with the club um you know ownership the support groups is 
you know, we might possibly see um, the club's alliance to the league come unhinged in some situations where the clubs are going to be like, well, we want a season and we're willing to just go ahead and pay the full amount because that's what we were going to do anyways. I just, I really do think that we're going to see, it's going to test the loyalty to whether the owners can truly um, just stay like glued to the league or if it's going to create a rift right there. But I, I think the players are, are solid. I don't see anyone really balking. Yeah, there's been some owners who have come out and have mentioned that they want to play regardless of what the league wants to do. So I do think that there is some um, ownership who really are supportive of their players. So this isn't like an attack of owners like, oh, every owner is a bad owner. Um, I think there would be a difference between team to team, specific teams to specific and players are looking out to create kind of a baseline kind of safety net, if you will, for their players to make sure that if a season can is canceled, that we make sure that these players who are far away from home, away from their families, don't get stuck in these towns with like a two week severance and that's it. Do you think that uh, be able to get back home? Do you think that if only a handful of the teams want to play and not all of them, do you think that some sort of like temporary infrastructure is created for those teams, or do you think that they just ultimately rule to cancel the season because not all teams are on board? I mean, I think even if they cancel the season, you might see some teams line up some, um, set up some like smaller tournaments. Like I know, uh, like I think Texas does something like this. I know Arizona has like a, a tournament, like a preseason tournament. You might see a kind of a preseason style tournament where a bunch of teams come together a uh, specific location and kind of play outside of a league. Um, because I'm not sure what the legalities of playing those types of friendlies or those types of, um, you know, independent run kind of things are. Um, I would have to probably ask some questions folks, uh, but I, I have a feeling that there's some teams that might investigate that opportunity of, Hey, there's five or six of us who are all in one area of the United States. We ha- we can play, but we don't have an official season. We're healthy. We've been cleared in our state to play. We will put the precautions in place. Maybe play in a. Um, I think San Diego investigated and said they can run with just season tickets. Season ticket holders, like we'll open up season ticket holders. We'll spread people out. You know, families may be able to sit together because they're from the same. It, but everyone else will be separated by six feet or more, and we can run a couple games this way. I think maybe some teams investigate that. But what do you think um, about? Uh, yeah, what do you think about the uh, possibility of some of these USL teams being invited to the MLS Inventational? Um, I think lots. There are probably teams who are going to have the opportunity. I think they're going to investigate it and see if they're able to play, see if what they're able to legally allowed to do, what they're, you know, if because are USL teams and they are in that league, like there might be some, you know, whatever rights, you know, broadcasting rights or um, 
because they have to pay dues in. Like, I don't, I'm not sure all the legalities behind making that happen, but I there was this surprised. thing called the. There was this thing called the Lamar Hunt Open Cup. Open Cup. Yeah, and I think, you know, something like that be in the, you know, in the fall or in the, as a kind of a preseason, maybe they throw a U.S. Open Cup together. But I think the the pushback of the Open Cup is no team is going to sign up for a one and done. Like, no team is (laughs) going to sign. You know what I mean? Like, all right, so... Northern Arizona or, you know, FC Tucson is going to come out to LA to play in a U.S. Open Cup tournament and they play one game and they have to go home. Like that's not for them. So I think people are going to have to get creative. I think teams are going to invest a lot, but um, know that we are at Fairweather. We are asking questions. We are trying to get people on who know more than us, uh, which is pretty easy to do because we think lots of people know more than us. Uh, but we're trying to get people in uh, to answer some of those questions. Uh, we have some uh, ideas floating around. Um, but for today's episode and this week's podcast, um, we have a player interview. Uh, we did a couple weeks ago. Um, with San Diego Loyal player. And so for this week, um, we are going to um, take a listen to an interview that we did uh, with San Diego Loyal uh, Tumi Moshabane, uh, which will be followed uh, right after this. Uh, so, uh, Chris, where can we find you? Hey, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram under by Chris Walker. And you can find me at A Underwood48. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast um and we will see you with a live show next week all right so first off we just want to thank you for coming on and chatting with us um and giving us some of your time um so thank you for that um and let's go ahead and start with your youth career uh you started with uh the kaiser chiefs uh tell me a little bit about that experience uh starting your youth soccer and how you got into that okay correct uh so when I started KZ Chiefs, it was around 2010. I'm not sure if you're familiar with like the South African World Cup. Mm-hmm. Like it was a, a huge success and a lot of like trial to going out in in the country after the World Cup. Uh, a lot of like uh, pro teams, and I tried out for the Chiefs and KZ Chiefs, and I I joined them through through that. And ever since I've been with them, it was. It was an honor and, and a blessing in terms of I played a lot of games with them uh, where we played nationally and it was a good experience to end up like moving up the ranks with them, started with the U17s and then moved up into the reserve side, which was, which was great. Now, for some of us who might not be super aware of the South African League, Kaiser Chiefs is kind of one of the big clubs, yeah? Yeah, correct. Probably top top five for sure. And so uh, you went through the youth system. What's the youth system like uh, in South Africa? Is it pretty competitive? Are there a lot of players? Uh, so tell us kind of about the, the system that you grew up in. It's a, it's a pretty competitive league. Uh, well, youth is a lot of... So every first division team uh, has like a youth academy. And in that youth academy, there's like a, a mini league that is run. 
you know, like a mini first division youth league, which is called Multi Choice, uh, and that one and in that league is it's mainly you know your youth players, but then they also bring down like players who need game time from like the first team. So you get to play with you know players that actually the first team, and you get to experience and uh, be mentored by the players. So. And then you, after after Kaiser Chiefs, you went to a JC and eventually ONU Tigers in Illinois. Um, how did you end up uh, coming over to to play uh, college soccer? How did that how that come about? Tell me about it. So that was it was a pretty rough journey for me in terms of. Uh, so when I was at Kaiser Chiefs, I I was doing great and. When I was in the, still in the academy, I think at age 17, I was still in high school. Uh, the first team had a, they had like a, a preseason friendly tournament. And in that preseason friendly tournament, they, they had spots for five academy players. And like we played against each other and they picked players from, from there. And I had made it into that kind of like draft. And and then I went to go play uh, with with the first team. So the game it was, it was in Bloemfontein, uh, and like I started on the bench, and then I came on in the second half. And coming on in the second half, I scored uh, well my debut goal for the first team at that age, and like I was seventeen and young, and it was probably like the first thing that's ever happened. And after that, like things blew up for me in terms of media and promising like I was basically the face of development for Kaiser Chiefs and and then like I went back they promoted me to the uh, reserve side and for me I thought like I was gonna you know this was like the the time for me to to go into uh, the first team and I was looking forward to it but then it didn't work out that way because they wanted me to kind of like develop still as a player. And I kept uh, pushing and pushing and it got to a point where I kind of like lost motivation cause like my peers were going up into the first team and stuff like that. And like I was left behind. And I then was ready to kind of like, you know, uh, give up in a way on, on, on soccer cause I had left high school and I was like still pursuing this and like I wasn't going to school and my parents were like kind of like on my case they were like you, you gotta go to school if nothing happens and stuff like that and then when I was about to make that decision to go to school then I had another opportunity to be uh, in the national team the U23 national team I got invited to a trial there and this was in preparation for the Olympics that was happening in Brazil I'm not mistaken, in 2016. But yeah, I I then made that, like that pool of players. I made it and like, I made the finals, not the final squad to them, but like the preparation squad that was going to play in, in Israel and Palestine. And I went there, it was, it was great. Came back, they, they didn't cut the, the, the team again. And I made it again for, for the preparation for playing in Kenya. No, it's sorry, in Ethiopia. Yeah, we're going to play in Ethiopia. Preparation game again. 
and during like so I had made the pool and then a few hours later uh they came like knocking to my hotel and they told me that uh we need you down there it was me and like five other players and and they told both of us like all of us that uh unfortunately there's there's uh players who are coming in and we have to cut you guys and i i mean i'm not sure what happened to say like it had to i mean you know it's like players he had and like he talked to the coach and like the coach uh kind of said us and like at that point like that's where i like, kind of realized that like if if i keep like pushing uh staying here like the way soccer's run back home and stuff and like i was like okay i think it's time for me for for a new change and then i came this side through my uncle who who graduated from olivet nazarene i came in 2015 and i started at a junior college called kankakee and yeah and like And you you had a pretty successful uh time at uh ONU, 40 appearances, 17 goals. Um did that kind of did you start figuring out that hey, I can go I can go pro here in the United States? What was that experience like uh and um where what positions did you play in your college career? Okay, so uh with the college, so I'll start off with like the junior college. Well, my experience here was I like different uh experience in terms of I thought like everything was going to be like you know all uh professional and and like I thought I was going to be at the same standard you know and I quickly realized when I was in my first week at the at, at the junior college I mean they were great guys but like uh in terms of the level like I got disappointed and like I was ready to leave the next day like to go back home literally and I sat down with my uncle and my uncle like kind of like spoke to me about it like yeah I know that this is not where you want to be right now and stuff but like you got to see like long term like you're not going to you're not going to end it this is just your starting point so this is a, a, a chance for you to kind of rebuild again and have a fresh start, a fresh start and ever since we had that conversation I saw everything positively and I had a good first season at the junior college and I was then noticed by Olivet so I didn't finish my my fresh my second semester freshman uh yeah I then moved to Olivet and then at Olivet that's where I I was playing midfield and like a false nine to like a striker slash striker so I was I was switching between the middle and and forward and it was it was a great experience there uh I met a lot of guys and that's how I got connected with Nate through through to uh uh my the meeting the NPSL Lansing yeah you you moved up like every year you've moved up uh kind of a division if you will from Lansing Unite Charlotte Eagles in League 2 then Lansing Ignite last year in league 1 where you had uh, I would argue another pretty successful season. I know people were uh pointing you out uh to kind of scout for a possible move up to uh league 1 uh to the championship this year. Um 
So what was it like uh, kind of moving up each of those levels and any kind of highlights from that Lansing Ignite uh, year last year? I mean, for me, the group was every time I pretty much, you know, was recognized and moved up, I, I started to feel confident and like I started to, to gain confidence in, in like how I played and and it just like motivated me to keep pushing and pushing and and I had a, a great season in, in Lansing United. And then the following year with Charlotte Eagle, it was it wasn't that great for me because I came in injured and then I played like a few games and like half and half of the rest of the season I was pretty much injured and I couldn't finish the season with them. And then I went back to college and then Nate uh, told me that he uh, Lansing Ignite is is going pro. Well, Lansing United is going pro as Lansing Ignite, and he wanted me to come on board and to be part of the squad. And that was that was a great experience for me because a lot of guys were like young and new pros, and everyone was hungry. And it was just like a different kind of like locker room atmosphere that was like motivating and. It was a great season for all of us. Unfortunately, it had to come to an end, sadly. But yeah. Now, I, I know that you were probably recruited from a couple different teams. Uh, that's kind of the, the information that I got from a couple of people that you were uh, had a, quite a bit of interest from championship. Uh, what was the recruitment process like to bring you here to San Diego, and why did you eventually choose uh, San Diego as your destination? Uh, I mean, yeah, I had, I had a couple of teams reach out to me and, uh, I, I tried going about it like alone with, with my uncle, but it like, it was kind of like tough because, uh, we weren't like familiar to, you know, how things are run and stuff like that. And like for some, so for, for some cases we felt uh, that we weren't like, you know, being honored, like correctly and I ended up signing with an agent and I ended up leaving my agent to do everything and once that happened uh, he told me about this offer that uh, San Diego Loyal is is interested in me and obviously came from Nate uh, inquiring to Landon Donovan about me and stuff and and I I personally didn't hesitate to take this up opportunity because, again, I'll be under one of like the best players in, in America, and I saw it as a an, as an opportunity to come here and you know go as a player, and like the weather is beautiful too, so a lot of factors played into it, and yeah, that's how I got here basically. So, how big of uh, a deal was having Nate Miller and uh, uh, another player like Grant coming out and and doing this with you, like how important was that to you? Is it like something that made you feel a little more comfortable having uh, some familiar faces around? Yeah. I mean, it's, we, we spend the whole season together and we understand each other uh, very well. We understand like the style of play that, you know, Nate likes to play and he, he initiates. So it was kind of like, yeah, it was, it was like uh, comforting, you know, for me to, to come over here and obviously play under him still 
it and um, just meet different guys that are here too who are also talented. Nice. Uh, now, Grant said that he wanted to send you a message that you should eat more. Um, <laughs> but what have you been doing now Now that you have a little bit more downtime? Uh, and if you want to give us some insight on why Grant wants you to eat more, uh, what have you been up to uh, in the past couple of weeks to keep busy, um, training regiments, anything you, any new hobbies you've developed? What have you been keeping up doing? There's not much. I mean, I've been doing rather than um, staying indoors and trying to, you know, keep myself fit in terms of like working out and and going out for runs. Uh, uh. But yeah, I mean, I guess the eating part. I don't know. Like to be honest, like I I eat a lot, and I don't know. I just don't grow as a player. Like you cannot like have the guys for breakfast. I be eating eggs and pancakes and and then later on I eat rice and chicken and all all those stuff so I guess it's my body type it <laughs> seems as if like I don't eat but like I'll be also like up here at like 11 eating like a full plate of rice rice and and just vegetables and stuff like that but I end up I don't see like where, where it's all going well and in- <laughs> Enjoy it while you can. Enjoy it while you can, because uh, I definitely have the opposite problem. I'll eat a little bit, and it shows up everywhere. So, um, yeah, so we're going to bring uh, Chris on. He's going to have some questions for you, maybe a little bit less uh, soccer-focused, a uh, little soccer-focused, uh, but a little bit more yeah. about getting to know you as a, as a, as a person uh, now that we've covered your kind of your background. So I'll throw it over to Chris um, to ask you some questions. Hey, what's up, Timmy? How you doing? How about you, Chris? I'm doing good, man. Doing good for sure. Um, so yeah, I was just kind of listening to like some of the interview that was going on, and and one thing that I was kind of wanting to ask you to start off is, uh, uh, what would ha- what have been your backup plan? What do you think you would have been doing um, if you didn't uh, make it in soccer? Do you have any other aspirations? For me, yeah. I mean, for me, it's 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 mainly. Uh, if not playing soccer, I would be kind of like trying to coach because it's it's a passion for me. It's something that I like. And another area that I'd probably uh, want to see myself in is back home we have like a family business where we run like a supermarket. So more in the business side of life, I'd be trying to probably, you know, run stuff there, like improve uh, business there and oh hopefully like open my own like business ventures you know just be like a businessman basically an entrepreneur okay that that's interesting first off about thinking that you'd be coaching like what what do you think that you enjoy the most about about being a coach like what would what would make you happy with that i mean just to get to like uh teach the kids you know because when i got here i i started like coaching a lot doing individual coaching and like with my uncle and because he he he, like, he has this like local club runs back in in Chicago and I was helping him with that and like I was doing a lot of individual coachings and I kind of fell I kind of fell in love with uh the whole process of just you know mentoring a kid and just guiding them you know and just being there for for them and showing them like the right direction and like just sharing my experiences with them too and I just fell in love with that process and 
that's where I actually like thought about actually, you know, wanting to coach once I'm done. Yeah, that's <clears throat> that's got to be a very interesting uh, thing as far as like any of the the students that you've had that are here because obviously you've been playing, you know, in another country, and so therefore you've you kind of get a taste of a lot of other experience that they typically won't get, you know, unless they obviously, you know, unless they get those same opportunities to travel abroad. Um, you know, what are some of the things that you share with them as far as some of your experiences, you know, where you've really seen them just, um, you know, just excited about, about playing soccer more? Yeah. I mean, the things I show them is, is mainly like, I try like, cause I know that they, they're passionate and want to like love the sports. I try just keep them motivated and share like my past experiences and like my downfalls with them, letting them know that like, even if, you know, they struggle in life or they see themselves, you know, not progressing, they should just keep, keep like true to, to the process of just like, you know, training and just keeping in mind that like each and every day when they train and they go about improving themselves that there is like a team out there or that there is like someone out there who will see their efforts and they'll eventually, you know, make it and, and play for for whatever team they, they wish to play for. So I, I just kind of like share my experiences. Yeah, that, that definitely is, uh, I think is a very cool thing to do just because, you know, I mean, I know when I was growing up, you know, it's, you can always look on TV and go, man, I want to, I want to be like this person. Like, you know, I played golf when I was a kid and, you know, I thought, man, I want to be like Tiger Woods, you know? And, and of course the different doors open up for different people, but, to be able to just be transparent with them and to have them love the sport for what it is. And then of course, what may happen will happen is I think that's definitely like the right way to go about it, you know, because not everyone's going to get like, not everyone's going to be pro the same way. Do you know what I mean? True. Yeah. Um, so then let me ask you this, then um, what is it like to run against as much talent in the States? I mean, like, and then you had mentioned, you know, it's a little, it's kind of like a, a tight space to really break, break into things back home. But here it's like, obviously the talent is so spread. So, I mean, does that, does that cause you to like, did you compete harder here or does that kind of give you room to breathe? Because, you know, obviously you, you've come from a very rich, like heritage of talent. I mean, I'd say it was, for me here, it was a lot easier than back home in terms of like back home, like I wasn't, you know, uh, exposed to like a lot of resources, you know, and like here I could like spend a lot of time on myself and like, you know, better myself and, and be exposed to, you know, like endless, uh, endless internet, you know, supply where I could like learn like my position on the internet and like study my position and stuff like that. And back home it was mainly like based on coaches and like coaches would drill you and like you'd listen to them. And and I think when I came here, it was it was kind of like a fresh start for me. And I was exposed to a lot of like, like I said, resources and I was able to train by myself and do stuff on my own that would like 
maybe better as a player and that's and also playing with like a lot of talented players here was was very helpful okay have you have you seen where there are times um that some of your NA experience like some of that stuff that you've learned like back back home has kind of prevailed over some of the experiences here say it again have you seen where some of your yeah i'll repeat myself um have you seen back like so have you seen some of your experiences that you've experienced back home like kind of be more like triumphant like then like learning something here because you mentioned that like in the states like there are more internet resources you can study things but obviously back home that's more like core it's more innate it's kind of like an internal instinct feeling like are there times when instinct has prevailed over like the internet resources i mean yeah i think not really but uh i just think that when I was back home, uh, it was, I mean, it was mainly difficult. Like you had all this time to yourself and most of the time you'd be just, you know, out and about with your friends, you know, just uh, hanging around, just you know, not doing much. And that in a way was kind of like, uh, in a way, when I look at it back right now, it was kind of like putting me, leaving me in one spot and the, the, uh, depending on you know, the academy to kind of like, you know, improve soccer and, and actually uh, make me, make me, make me do better. But when I got here, uh, I started like shifting, you know, that mindset. I, I, I really didn't like focus. Like I, I made sure that I use like all, everything that like all my resources that I'm like exposed to, I made sure that I I use it to the best of my advantage and I, I didn't make it like an excuse or to not actually train. Like I just saw it as like a privilege and I made it, I made sure that like I, I use that privilege to my advantage. Okay. Um, when you, when you, when you're on a pitch with like other international talent, you know, I mean like, you, you know, say you were on the pitch with like the like guys that have played like for reggae boys like, how does that elevate your game? Please repeat that again. When you're on a pitch with other players that are obviously international, you know, say they played for Ghana or, you know, they play for Jamaica, you know, how does that elevate your game plan against those types of players? I mean, for me, yeah, it, it helps a lot because, like, they obviously, like, you know, bring a different, like, dimension to, like, they bring what they learned and, you know, what they grew up playing. And, like, obviously, like, playing styles are different from each country. And the that, that that's what makes uh, soccer unique, you know. And, like, playing with them, like, I learn, like, a lot from them. And they also learn a lot from me. It's just that, that interaction that's that's valuable you know between between our teammates and especially the international guys just like learning different cultures and like how they they adapt and uh, how they play and just sharing the differences together 
right? Okay. Um, what are some things that you've had to adapt to uh, living in the States over the years? I mean, I'd say it's more the physical side of, of the soccer. Like, uh, it's soccer here. When I first got here, especially in college, like, it was physical, fast, and, and like, it was, that, that was the, the main, the main uh, thing I need to, to adapt on and, like, working on my strength. Because when I came here, uh, believe it or not, like, I was actually more skinnier than I am right now. And it was, it was kind of like, uh, a, a disadvantage, but like obviously my my technical side was kind of like helped me in in that aspect. But I I had to adapt to you know playing uh, quick and and physical. Okay, and then um, what are some things that you would bring here from home? Ooh. Things as in. Like physical things or things you, you know, maybe things you miss, like, you know, whether it's like, you know, novelty items or things of that nature. I see. Ooh, I bring the food back home. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So you got a favorite plate or favorite snack? I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. I have a, this, it's puppet place. So this is like, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know if you know foo-foo, you know. Or, or grits like it's, it's it's like a oh yeah i know grits party. man i know grits yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like a, it's like a it's it's like a maze hard, hard like hard porridge and that with like gravy and veggies and and meat it's like yeah it's the best <laughs> nice you, you uh you should you should tell the guys to let you cook one night <laughs> <laughs> sure <laughs> right um and, and you also said earlier that you like you really like the weather so i mean you know like how how often are you getting out to like kind of enjoy that i mean hopefully i mean i know that everyone's trying to stay inside and whatnot but i mean you know are you trying to at least enjoy that more than just looking through the window when you can yeah i mean i try to go to the store just walk to the store instead of like you know driving uh and we should it's not far it's like about like a five minute walk or so and yeah i walked to the store and i used to go out a lot uh when before this whole pandemic thing it'd be like uh a beach we have a beach down the the road like 15 10 minute 15 minute drive so go there and like hang out at the beach and just enjoy the sun now now i mean like obviously you know you you got to you're getting to play the game that you love, um, and then right now we're going through this pandemic. Like before that, obviously you guys got to play two championship matches, you know, which is great. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, here we are back to like the off season mode. Um, what I guess what are you what are you most grateful for right now? I mean, considering that as the weeks go by, it just seems like it's longer and longer that you have to wait for that thing that you love to do. Uh, to, be, to be honest, like I'm right now, I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, first of all, uh, it's, it's not, you know, personally affecting me as much. Uh, but aside from like me, not being able to, being able to play, 
I'm, I'm just grateful that uh, I'm at a team where they actually like take care of you, you know, in terms of even during this whole pandemic. I know that there's a couple of places where, you know, things are put on hold. And, and here it's, uh, you, still, you still can, you know, stay, stay with the, the team and kind of like just because like we all live in the same complex and we can kind of like, you know, see each other. So that's, that's one thing that I'm, I'm grateful for. Right on. Uh, Marissa, do you have anything you want to ask? Yes. Um, so hi, I, uh, I've been listening in and I, um, I, you said that, you know, you really enjoy the weather and I think Chris touched on this too. So, um, one of the questions that we've been asking some of these people while you're in quarantine and, you know, isolating, what is the the first thing you're going to do? Um, that's not soccer related or football related as, uh, you may call it, or some people call it football. Some people call it soccer. Uh, what is the first thing you're going to do once, uh, these, this, uh, restrictions are lifted? First thing I'll do that's not soccer related, I'll probably go down to the beach and yeah. <laughs> lay in the sun a little, you know. Is there a, a beach you love yeah. the most or have you been to? Um, the one I've been is Imperial. That's about oh, it. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So or maybe like that's another thing to explore the beaches once everything mm-hmm. starts going. Yeah. yeah, I'm a, I'm a fellow South Bayer, so I do enjoy Imperial, it's, and it's a lot quieter than the other one. So um, yeah. there's a lot of cool things going down uh, at Imperial Beach too. Um, and uh, you talked about food too, and I want to touch on that. That's like seems to be a theme this week because people are kind mm-hmm. of like in their homes and they're kind of forced to like learn new things, or they have extra time to learn new things because they can't go out and practice or train or anything like that. Um, is there anything you're picking up uh, while you're um, in isolation and hanging out at home, like a new language or cooking or doing anything outside of that? Uh, for me, it's it's just, I'll, I'll be reading a lot. Uh, I read and like, I connect with people back home and like I FaceTime family and friends and mm-hmm. we just, you know, stay like for hours on the phone and yeah. And yeah, and just uh, so you're reading. What are you reading right now? Right now, I'm reading with uh, we. So I have uh, a little friend, like a group of friends who I went to college with, mm-hmm. and we just uh, kind of like discussing the book, the subtle arts. Hmm. Okay, so it's like a little mini book yeah. club. Do you use an app for that, or are you just group chat? We use uh, Skype for that. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. We, we talk about yeah. Skype, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of new hobbies that people are picking up on now that they have a little bit of extra time. Um, True. I uh, We have some questions that we've been, you know, kind of asking of the other players, and we kind of want to get your feedback, Um, you know, when it comes to, like, music and preparation for the matches. Is there someone that you think um maybe has like the best um the best musical selection to kind of get you pumped up do you yeah, have anyone that's that's <laughs> tough i'd say uh 
Avi. Avi is the guy who yeah. likes the music. He's, he's, his selection is, 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 yeah. is good. It's amazing how some people like get that, that they get designated like the DJ because, it, you know, yeah. you never really know like who, who's going to be the DJ when you have all these new players coming together. So, but I mean, it sounds like he's the one that's des- the designated DJ and I'm glad that he's able to provide the tunes for y'all because uh we don't know it could be it could be bad you never know right like um yeah, yeah. um okay so what yeah that's cool um and I want to touch also a little bit on like you talked about like business and entrepreneurship and stuff like that like me myself I'm my own business owner and so I'm really intrigued by people that you know talk about what their, you know, what their experience would be like outside of playing, you know, the game that they love. Um, do you have a, a business in mind that you would want to start or is it, is just kind of like, that's what's intriguing you at the moment? For me, uh, it's, I'd actually like to start like, kind of like a, a huge, like academy back home. Mm-hmm. When, Mm-hmm. when I'm done with like you know playing soccer and all that and just use all my experiences that I've learned and like kind of like apply back home with mm-hmm. and like mix it with their with their style of kind of like you know playing because South Africa like it and its own has like a different style of playing football so mm-hmm. it's just to have that organization and help my parents too with their business and mm-hmm. hopefully eventually like small businesses see yeah what the the market offers right yeah it's interesting to hear a soccer player talk about small business and market so my my ears went up I was like what 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 are you talking about business but yeah um that's cool I think um I'm good with questions I'm gonna bring Alan and Chris back into the loop um do you guys have anything else you want to talk about yeah yeah to me I forgot to ask you at the beginning how do you pronounce your last name Moshobani. All right. We just wanted to clarify because it's one of those names where it's like, I want to make sure I'm saying it right because we, we want to give respect. <laughs> so we wanted to make sure it was on the record uh, how you pronounce your last name. Uh, Chris, you got anything? Uh, yeah. So when you score a goal, uh, do you have your own sort of celebration that you do? Yeah. I mean, I, I, have, I have a bunch of so depending on like how I feel and like, you know, how I scored the goal, like, I'll just, mainly, it's a, it's dancing. I mainly dance just for celebrating, so it depends on, it, it's not, like, specific, like, like, I have, like, a signature celebration, but I'm trying to work on that one, though. Okay, okay. We'll definitely be yeah. watching when the time comes back yeah. to us. I'm going to be looking for that once we get back on the pitch, so, so we'll keep <laughs> it in mind. <laughs> Um, if people want to connect with you on like on social media or what, where where do they connect with you and find you? Uh, on Instagram, I'm, okay. I'm on Instagram mm-hmm. uh, and Twitter. I'm, nice. I don't I don't use Twitter a lot, but like Instagram for sure and Facebook. Cool. Thank you. Um, oh, I'm sure we'll we'll have those uh, that information in the description on the video on our YouTube channel. Alan, if you want to close it out here. 
Yeah, is there, the is there anything that you want, any message you want to send out to the loyal supporters of the community of San Diego in general? Um, go for it. Oh, uh, I just want to say to our supporters that uh, it's it's been like an honor, you know, playing with you guys. And that first home game was, for me, uh, a beautiful experience, you know, making my debut in the championship uh, under a sold-out uh, stadium was probably one of the highlights, you know, in my career. And I'm grateful for the support. And hopefully uh, when, when we get back to the pitch, you know, I can show, like, how much I'm thankful through the way I play for them. Well, I know you have a lot of supporters out there in the in the stands already. Um, people are really excited to see you play uh, and to see you continue to develop. So uh, the feeling is mutual. Uh, we can't wait to see you on that pitch uh, with the rest of the team. Uh, you were exciting in preseason. We have no doubt that you'll be continue to be exciting for the rest of the season when we get back out there. Uh, so thank you so much for your time. Uh, it was a really a pleasure talking with you and getting to know you um, a little bit better. And uh, we will for sure check in with you uh, once the season gets going again. Uh, we'd love to have you back on again. Yes, definitely. Right on. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you guys for putting me on your podcast. Yes, definitely. Stay safe. Oh. All right, we're done. Cool. Thank you, cool. Toomey. Thank you, Toomey. Yeah. You're welcome. Bye. This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. You can find other podcasts on bgn.fm. The Fairweather Podcast is also sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie-cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.